Hey everybody, welcome back to Flightcast. I'm Jason Rosewell. Joining me as always is Skyhawk Heavy Mark Denton. Hey Mark. Hey man, what's going on? And uh, guys, if you're new to Flightcast, this is an aviation podcast inspired by the mobile flight simulator Infinite Flight. Uh, Mark, the OP on the forum is asking how many Mountain Dews for the day so far? <laughs> uh, actually, just the one. Just the one? Half a one. Just half a one. It's yeah. only 9.30. Yeah. Just half. Uh, how's then the weather down there? my water and Powerade. All right. It's, um, well, let me see. It's sunny. Probably about 60, 65, I reckon. I don't know. I hadn't been outside yet. We're frozen up here. And uh, we're going to get to some guests today that are thinking about flying on the weekend, but our runway at our airport is currently ice, so it's not uh, not looking good. But anyway, Mark, we've been promoting uh, Flightcast Cafe for a few weeks now, and uh, I am very pleased to announce that after months of planning... We are a go. Wow. Yeah. It's Finally. great. So uh, if anyone is uh, unaware so far, Flightcast Cafe is our brand new subscription service for Flightcast. And it's a way for, A, our listeners to show their support for the podcast, while, B, getting lots of bonus content and perks in return. And some of those bonus perks will be uh, Mark and I on video, um, because we kn- we all know that... That's exactly what our listeners want to see is Mark and I on video. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Normally we have to charge people, you know, <laughs> five ninety nine a minute for that. But <laughs> Well, now it's going to be less than that a month. So, uh, guys, head over to flightcast.audio slash cafe right now. The payments uh, are uh, in three tiers. So crew member is $1.99 a month. First officer you can subscribe to for three ninety nine a month, and the highest plan captain is five ninety nine a month, and the details for all of that are at flightcast.audio slash cafe. So mm-hmm. I'm excited that Mark the uh, extra content will kick off uh, with uh, full steam in two weeks as we join up in San Francisco. Yeah, week and a half, man. I'm looking forward to that. You know, number one, just getting out of Mobile. Yeah. Uh, I hate it here. Absolutely hate it here. The best thing that ever came out of Mobile or even out of Alabama was I-10 or I-65. <laughs> but the only thing that's keeping me here, of course, is my son. Yeah, So as soon as, he, uh, as soon as he graduates high school and gets his full scholarship to the University of North Carolina, Scott Kevy's moving back home. Going back to Carolina? Going back to Carolina. Oh, my sweet Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there I'm looking go. forward to that. Awesome. So like we said, our next uh, our, our next meetup is in San Francisco, which also yes. means that our next episode is going to be live in San Francisco. Live. And uh, we're going to have um, Infinite Flight developers, all three of them. Uh, all three what? Infinite Flight uh, bigwigs will be there. Um, we've got actually more than... The three developers will be there. Uh, we're going to uh, hear from Jarno, who is doing yep. all of the libraries uh, and then some. Um, and yeah, and it's the 3D be, models. Yeah. He does the 3D models, the libraries, liveries, however you want to say it. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah, so it's going to be good. Uh, Tyler will be there. Um, 
Stephen's going to be there with us. Uh, you guys yes. will remember Stephen from uh, our episode, which was live in Atlanta from Stephen's basement. Uh, so he's going to be there as well, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a good party. Basement and ATL. Yeah. So we're going to have a live episode, but also Flightcast Cafe subscribers are going to get all kinds of bonus content. Uh, if the weather's good, um, Stephen and I will be taking a tour of the Bay Area uh, from the air, and uh, and that's going to be in a DA forty, I think. If uh, all and goes well. And I appreciate well. you guys offering me, but yeah. Yep. You know, trying to rent a C one thirty was just too expensive. So Well and Mark, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be in infinite flight meetings anyway. So we're gonna peace yes. out to uh, we're actually uh gonna San be doing Jose. Sport. Yeah. Uh so lots of good stuff and I uh, I I always hesitate to say stuff like this that's not for sure for sure, but um the plan right now is for me to head to Toronto uh the day before, which will be mm-hmm. on the Wednesday, the twenty second. And mm-hmm. I'm going to meet up with uh, a guest that we had a couple episodes ago, Duncan Gillespie. He's the Dash 8 pilot for um, Sky Regional out of Billy Bishop. And uh, we're going to meet up. I'm going to hopefully take some pictures of his arrival into the island. And um, then we're going to go out for a beer at uh, Amsterdam Brewery on the Quay. So This is when I'll be pulling a joke, correct? Oh, you want to... Sit up. You want me to put my iPad on my lap and invite you along to the restaurant? Well, if you could find some random chick out there, you know, and just say, "Hey, can you hold him in your lap?" That'd be great. Okay, thanks for the extra editing work, Mark. <laughs> I gotta compensate for Joe not being here, man. Yeah, thank you. Just remember, our flight cast uh, cafe subscribers at the captain level will see this or see and hear this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is why they spend the money i'm gonna have to put a, to get a warning on it yeah all right so guys tune in to uh this time we're going to stream our episode uh on youtube instead of facebook we will put this yeah. everywhere instagram facebook everything but uh, uh the advertising for it when the details are firm but so far, the plan is tune in on YouTube channel at youtube.com slash flightcast audio on Saturday, February 25th at 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, which is 1800 or 6 p.m. Zulu. Yeah. So it's okay. going to be a lot of fun, man, just being in the same room with everybody. Um, and, and and one thing I do want to let people know about is that our, our sound quality is going to be a little bit better than what it was in uh, in in Stephen's basement. A lot better. Just because, yeah, We what do we have? Two mics, I think? We had, a, we had a couple mics, but they were on the room, so every noise, including yeah. a really loud cat, uh, was picked up. And, <laughs> and then any anybody who was softer spoken, like Laura, uh, we couldn't really hear very well, so that's going right, to be fixed. So, yeah, we're going to have, uh, we're going to pretty much have more mics for everybody, so that way everybody will be able to hear everyone speaking a lot better. So For sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Mark, let's get to our guests for this two-part episode. We are running on kit planes. Sound good? Yes. All three of my guests are kit plane owners from Perry Sound, Ontario in Canada. And first, we have my good friend and Murphy Rebel owner, Cam Merch. Hey, Cam. Hi, Jason. And next, we have uh, Cam's friend and fellow Rebel owner, Bob Fisher. Hey, Bob. Morning, Jason. And last but not least is my new friend and Zenith STOL 801, I think. Very good. Kit owner, uh, Glenn. <laughs> sorry, I'm going to do this again. Glenn Suggett. 
two correct answers. Hey, Thank you very all much. All right. Awesome. Wow. Good. Uh, hey, Glenn, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on board. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. So, guys, I'd like to start off uh, with an overview of what got each of you into aviation and uh, a brief or long. This is two episodes, so we can uh, go as long as we want here. Uh, history of where your love for flying started. So, um, Cam, people know you already. We did a feature video together for Flightcast last year. You might not have known that's what was happening at the time, but <laughs> um, so let's start with <laughs> nice you. How go did around, you... by the way. <laughs> Mark says nice go around. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's start with you. What got you uh, into flying? You gave us a brief kind of uh, story on the video, but for those who are unacquainted. Yeah, thank you, Jason. Um, I guess it goes way back when I was a teenager. I was always looking up when a plane goes over, and uh, once I had my driver's license, I'd drive from Mississauga up to the Pearson Airport and go on the roof of the old terminal and watch the planes come in and stuff. A friend of mine got his pilot's license when we were in high school, but I was never actually in a small airplane until many years later. Um, it was something that I always thought it'd be kind of fun to do, but that was for other people, you know, who were either cooler or more talented or smarter. Or, or richer. <laughs> or richer, <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, you... you get into a, a routine with family and job and kids and uh, expenses pile up and, and, and you just put that dream on the back burner for many years, at least in my case. And then when I retired and uh, met Bob at church and he had a plane and uh, he said, you should do this. You can do this. So it's all his fault. So then uh, go to ground school and start taking lessons and buy an airplane, and here we are. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Bob, how about you? Well, I kind of always wanted to be a, a pilot, not a pilot to drive a 747. Just, a trash hauler, as I they just, say. I just wanted to, I really wanted to have a float plane. And uh, fortunately, I started working, I had a job which was right beside the airport in Brantford. And uh, therefore, it was easy for me to get over and hang around with the guys at the airport. And uh, I, took, I, I started out by taking an ultralight uh, training, ultralight training, and built, and built an ultralight, a single-place ultralight. And since I'd always wanted to go have a float plane because I had a place up on, on water, then I put that ultralight on on floats and that was good for two years but then of course with an ultralight you go pretty slow and I wanted to go a bit faster so sometime during my official private pilot's license training I took I, I bought a flying boat um, the airplane was called a coot and it was a kit plane or it wasn't a kit plane sorry it was a home built there was no kit for it it was built by a, a gentleman in western Ontario and it was really well well-built plane, although not that well-designed, but I took some of my training with that home-built. Got my license and uh, flew that plane for 11 years. And then, as gradually, of course, as you uh, as you fly a lot, you learn more what you want. And 
And uh, what I learned with with a a flying boat was they're a great thing to get around in, but they're no good for working. They're no good because you can't come up to a dock. The wings are low. They have sponsons at the outside edge of the wings, and they're basically a a big toy. So you're putting it on a beach? Yeah, you can put it on a beach if you have a beach. After that, it was uh, I got three different, worked my way through three different kit-built amphibs so i basically my whole life 30 years of flying i've had just had amphibs and that's that's i i love the uh i love the working part the, the, the improving the plane as much as i do the flying you can't afford to fly you cannot afford to fly all the time <laughs> so, no <laughs> no well and you can't in perry sound right you, you can't fly all the time <laughs> ah that's true in the winter especially yeah yeah yeah, here down here you could well if you could afford it you could fly year round with the exception of maybe three days I think it is <laughs> three or four days that we have our winter um, our winter storm blow through yeah so the uh, did you say that uh, float plane was a, what was it called a coot coot yep the flying okay, boat is, the flying boat was a coot is that the uh, the one the engine on top pushing yeah. It was yeah. uh, designed by uh, Molt Taylor, and then um, and then Mark. What happened was uh, when I got rid of the coot. <laughs> uh, I was living in Georgia at the time, and I went over and bought a Kit Fox over where you are. Uh, over Mobile. Yeah, over that. Not quite that far, but we were over. We were in Alabama anyway. Yeah. And uh, I found a kit fox over there that had a, a 912 Rotax on it, and it had some ignition problems, so I got it at a decent price, put it on a trailer and brought it home. And it was, a, nice. of course, a tail dragger, and I had to take my tail dragger training at the time. And then, uh, and then I got a set of uh, Aeroset Amphib floats up in Minnesota and put it all together and flew it right out of Perry, Georgia at the back in the mid-90s. Uh, so that was my first actual float plane, ex- float plane or amphib float plane experience other than the ultralight. I love flying yes. down there, except it was always hot. But it is. The humidity, you know, and there's so many thermals yeah. just because of the humidity around here. So it does get a little bumpy. It gets a little hot. So definitely I can relate to that. But uh, one th- one th- one thing I'll mention because we're, we're talking about interesting things here. As I flew into a little strip south of Atlanta, one day on the, on this Kit Fox, Kit Fox Four with Aeroset Amphibs, and I met this old guy who came out of his plane, and we walked in together at uh, at the airport restaurant, and uh, I said, "You're Chuck Yeager, aren't you?" And he <laughs> said, uh, "Yeah." He said. Do you want to have a hamburger together? So that was like definitely the highlight of the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That would have been pretty cool, man. Yeah, that was really Just, neat. You know, it's like when you're a, sort of a young pilot and you get to spend some time with a guy like that, that was interesting. One thing that happened to me, and Jason knows the story, I've, I've told a few people, but uh, since you brought up that, uh, when I went and did my check ride for my PPL, um, the guy that I did my check ride with, the uh, FAA check airman, he he had over fifty thousand hours, flew pretty much anything that can fly, 
Um, started off in the Royal Air Force flying T-28 Trojans. Uh, came over here, uh, became part of the U.S. Air Force, uh, was a squadron commander on the SR-71, uh, retired as a squadron commander for the U-2. And uh, he asked me uh, right before my oral, he said, do you, um, do you like history? And I said, I love history, especially aviation history. If anybody is an aviation enthusiast or a pilot, of course, they want to know more about the history. And uh, he pulled out his check, his, uh, his logbook, and showed me an endorsement. Uh, he had gone to an airport to get checked off. I don't know if he was just getting checked out on a plane or what his endorsement was for. I can't remember. But the signature from the CFI was Charles Lindbergh. No kidding. Yes. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Very cool. Uh, so, Glenn, what got you into flying? I, first of all, I'm making an assumption here. Uh, we've This is the first time we've met. Uh, I'm assuming you, you're a pilot. <laughs> no, I'm not current. You're not. Not. But you, you have been. I have been, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, we're going to get into your uh, kit plane story in a second, but um, so, yeah, how did you get into fl- flying? Well, as a young man, uh, I worked in uh, northern Manitoba, and I got a chance to sm- fly in some small uh, small airplanes, and, and I liked it. And it, it, was, it was pretty cool. Uh, but like Cam, you know... Um, Family and life and career kind of intrude, so that gets put on the back burner. I never thought about it much. And then in 1987, early in 87, in a drunken stupor, I decided I'd become a pilot. Like, <laughs> That's the best time to decide right, you're yeah, going to be you know, a pilot. Hey, I yeah, like and him. I did. You know, I, I was the type of guy that start guy. something. I'm going to get that pilot's license. And, yeah. and, 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 and I did. And, uh, and I've related this to both Bob and Cam, but you know, the day I got it, I walked in uh, into the the place uh, in Castlegar, British Columbia, where I'd got my license. And uh, a fellow said to me, he said, do you own an airplane? I said, no. He says, well, if you don't own an airplane, you won't fly. And I'm damned if he wasn't right. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So that, a couple more flights, and I just kind of left it. So so over that time from 87 on, I um, I continued to read magazines, ones like Kit Planes would have all mm-hmm. the you know, different, and, and imagine did a lot of imagination flying, you know. Yep. And then finally, uh, uh, I moved in next door to Cam. And I'm sorry. I, yes, I'm his neighbor. And uh, not in his basement, but next door. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, he took me out flying one one day, and then uh, he mentioned somebody had a, a, a plane, a, a kit craft for sale, and one that I was interested in, the Zenith. And we went and had a look at it with Bob. And uh, they were mighty quiet but kind of given me a, they were pretty excited too. I could tell, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I bought it and I, I, I was just mentioning before this podcast that if I hadn't, I'm, I'm thinking that Bob would have for <laughs> sure. So, yeah. and, and so now it's really exciting to, to get that back in and, and uh, I'm very rusty. So I'm thinking these, uh, what's it called? Flight, uh, Flight, the oh uh, infinite flight infinite the, uh, flight yeah. that that might infinite might be flight. a big help for me yes and uh, and certainly your your uh, podcast and your 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 cafe things looks very interesting cool so, well thank you, you well, I'll be hooking you guys up with complimentary subscriptions so um, yes. uh, yeah that's that's awesome so are you going to uh, you'll have to get current again so what is that what does that look like well I've got different stories from different 
people, but uh, I'm basically going to have to t- take enough hours instruction that I'm going to feel comfortable, sure. right, flying, and then uh, probably be retested. My medical, yep. I have to get that again, and um, and because uh, my aircraft weighs over the uh, the limit for uh, the uh, what did you call it? ultralight advanced uh, ultralight advanced I mean, ultralight it's yeah a light sport. I have to have the full pilot's license rather than than a recreational or light sport okay. license. So. That's because you, you're painting it. If you hadn't painted it, maybe it wouldn't yeah, be so heavy. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't be so heavy. <laughs> yeah, that paint just adds so much weight to it. You know, and that's something I could never get into was ultralights. I, I don't know why. It's just something about a Briggs & Stratton motor keeping me in the air. Just, you got uh, it. I can't comprehend it. Well, Mark, maybe if you had, yes, maybe if you had be- one butt cheek in one boat and one butt cheek in the other boat, and you use two of them, maybe that would be okay. Well, yeah, because if I did get in it, it would become an ultra heavy, which then, of course, <clears throat> that ain't going to work. Uh, yeah. Well, that's uh, fantastic. I love hearing those stories, and uh, we're, we'll, we'll maybe elaborate on some of them. Um, so this episode is dedicated to kit planes. Now, we don't have, obviously, we don't have kit planes uh, in Infinite Flight, Um this is a, a departure from the sim in a lot of ways, but uh, you know we've got the decathlon, which has got to be the closest thing, I would say, right, Mark? The decathlon and the 172. Well, yeah, uh, the decathlon will certainly be the closest thing to any kind of a kit plane that we would have, um, but uh, well, not the 172. I'm I mean, sorry, yeah, I don't, I don't want to insult you. GA. <laughs> well, it's not an insult. It's just, I mean, that's completely different flying styles, even from the, well, one's a uh, tricycle landing gear, the other one's a right. tail drag. Yeah. So, I mean, just complete night and day. But, uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying, Jason. Yeah. You know what? I'll just, I'll just stop and tell you what I've learned in two divorces. You know what, honey? You're right. <laughs> you're right. Thanks, boo-boo. Um <laughs> So, guys, why why kit planes? And uh, I've been instructed to ask Bob about this first because you're the you're the guy that um, got got Cam really into flying the the Murphy Rebel. So why don't we go around the table? But Bob, why why uh, kit planes? Sounds like it's been right from the start for you. Well, these days you can get a kit plane that does everything that a certified airplane will do. Is every bit as safe, every bit as fast, and if and quite often lighter. And you can get that plane, not necessarily for less money particularly, but you have the ability to, once you get it, to uh, customize it or build it to your specs. If you want a glass panel in it, you can put a glass panel in it. If you want to put um, uh, any any electronics options are available, any engine is available, uh, you can put it in. It's your right as you, as you build the plane. And uh, so you can kind of uh, take your dreams and put them into that airplane where you can't do that with a certified plane. Mm. And so you get to fly a a really neat aircraft. And I would say that uh, since since I've had kit planes or home belts for 30 years, they certainly don't cost as much at the end of the day as does a certified airplane. We can do we can do our own maintenance, and we do do the maintenance. We we have to do a a yearly or hundred hour inspection, just like everybody else does. But we are allowed to do it on our own, and therefore mm. you can you can take the plane apart in your in your hangar or 
in your back in your garage if you have a folding wing plane i suppose and uh, uh make sure that it's in good shape for the next year and that's a significant mm. monetary savings uh, the the things like insurance and whatnot it would be the same i mean you put a value on the plane you insure it for liability and then you insure it if you want to for haul on the ground or haul in motion and whatever price value you put on the plane you pay an insurance okay. relative to that just like a okay we'll get into some of the regulations and okay, costs sure. a little bit more we'll it's, it, on and that. it's just for for me it's a lot of fun because mm. you you're in a community of people that are not just poking holes in the sky but they're actually doing things you can find them in their hangars you can find them in there yeah. it's neat well cam when you and i went over to uh uh, help me out here for Eden, lunch. Edenville. 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 Yeah. There's a guy in the hangar there working on, and I've been there twice, and he's been in there both times working yeah. on uh, his Challenger, Mama's big booty or whatever it's called, <laughs> jiggly butt, jiggly Mama's jiggly butt. Yeah. This is actually Mark. That's the name of the guy's airplane. I think what? I showed you a picture of it. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a blue uh, Challenger, but and this thing's wow. a uh, this thing is a a kit, right? Oh yeah. And and he's Challenger. it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's not a boat with a fan on the back. This thing is high tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see, yeah, like you said, you see kit planes with glass in the cockpit, and um, yeah, you can get you can get a really really expensive kit plane. <laughs> um, Cam, what about you? You you guys are you and Bob are both flying the Murphy Rebel at, right. at this point, and um, um, you you got a rebel because of sure bob yeah. and his right so how yeah. did that happen um peer pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> peer pressure well and and ad- advice too because i knew that bob had a long history of flying and uh, knew a lot of different planes and since it was his plane of choice i thought well let's, let's look at this so you, you then you reach out to the community of people who are out there right. and there's a fellow in Brampton who um, is a rep for Murphy's airplanes and uh, he said this plane was available in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania why don't you go check it out so we did and uh, Bob went down with me and my son-in-law Fred and we uh, talked to the guy and Bob flew it and said yeah that's a nice plane and so then a few weeks later we went back in a truck and brought it back across the border so I didn't really know what I wanted or you know I was just starting ground school and had done a little flying in a Cessna um, the tail wheel flying didn't seem to be a problem you know Bob uh, helped me with that too so yep. yeah. what a nice resource yeah yeah it's have terrific so uh, I didn't really have to think about what what kind of plane to get or what I was looking for I just knew that if you sort of hitch your wagon onto somebody else's train. Yeah. Uh, you'll be okay. Now, you had planned on doing some, or you thought it would be nice to do your training in the yes. in the Rebel, but that didn't happen, right? That didn't happen. No, we had um, some landing gear issues that had to be repaired. So, fortunately, I was able to do the repair myself, and uh, meanwhile, I kept training. Okay. And uh, sort of as I finished my license, the plane was ready, and and here you go, you know. So, say I buy my Cub eventually. Yes. 
could I do that? Will there will the CFIs do the? Uh, oh, yes. As long as it's on wheels, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. You can get your training. Uh, would that be? Would you guys recommend doing that if you sure. if you are going to get your license? And as you say, Glenn, you, if you don't own an airplane, you're not going to fly. So let's pretend that's the goal for now. It, will they? They'll they'll do the CFI will do that and and Most would it be will. beneficial? I think, they, I think I guess they have to be question. a class C, class three CFI okay. to allow you to use your plane. But uh, it, it's a great way to do it, and many many people do that. Yeah. Uh, do that. Uh, you can buy half a dozen low cost airplanes from one fifties to air coupes to mm-hmm. whatever kind of plane you want, and actually save a lot of money by getting your 40 to 60 hours because well, those rental plane, fees are gone it, right? right they're gone you're just paying yeah. for fuel yeah. and wear and tear in the plane yeah yeah and the guy freelances sometimes yeah 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 i would love school. i would love to get my tail uh tailwheel endorsement you know to me it's that's just flying well you have to get you in know? something other than the 172 then mark yeah i probably have to get a lockheed electra or a dc3 <laughs> But yeah, okay. Well, Mark's the sky's the limit, right, Mark? I don't uh, know if it get in the sky, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's something I definitely, you know, and and that's on my bucket list. You know, I definitely want my telewheel endorsement. You know, I want to get my uh, my float plane endorsement. Um, so those are definitely things that I, that I'm going to achieve sometime in the near future. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With the new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, you can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information such as weather, runway data, and charts. It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. Live Flight is now available in the App Store for iOS. And now, back to the podcast. So... Glenn, tell us the story of how you came across. First of all, this is, do you call it Zenith or Zenith? Um, you can do Zenith if you're in Canada. You can do Zenith in the, if you're oh, in the okay, United States, okay. and both are politically correct. <clears throat> okay, so. so I'm in Canada, so I'll say Zenith. And you came I'll across. I'll say Zenith, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's a STOL, which is short takeoff and landing, right? That's correct. Uh, CH801. That's correct. Okay, so. It, I, when I saw it, it was in several pieces in cam, yes. in the hangar that Cam But uses. not in tatters. Not in tatters, no. 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 It, it, it's very nice brand. shape. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell us, how this happened? Well, uh, you know, I, we talked a little bit about that earlier with Cam, that uh, he'd take me flying and that it, it piqued my interest. And I'd gone to look at a um, CH-701 
kit, which is uh, the, the little brother of the 801. Okay. The 801 is a four-seater, correct? It's a four-seater, okay. that's correct. The two-seater, and, and it wasn't much. It was five grand, pieces were missing, there was no papers. And, you know, maybe the guy stole, I, I don't know. So <laughs> I, I, I backed Selling away, you know. Band. Yeah, it was out of <laughs> yeah. some guy's uh, Connex or Seacan, uh, you know. Right. So um, then, you know, Cam had mentioned that this fella had this. So so I called him. He got, got his number, and his name is Jim. And we won't use his last name, but he's a local pilot. And and uh, we went out to have a look one day. And I was under the impression I'd be looking at a CH-701. Okay. And I got in there, and it's an 801. And I had only dreamed about a four-seater. And I went, <laughs> and... It had an engine in it and a propeller. And a brand new engine at that, right? Yeah, yeah a brand new rebuild. Okay. On zero hours. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited beside myself just looking at the thing and, you know, and, and things weren't, it looked to be in pretty good shape and good condition. And I, I did have Bob and he'd had a lot of experience in Cam. And as I said, they were very excited. And uh, and uh, when, the, when Jim told me the price he wanted for the plane, I didn't even bargain with him. I just shook his hand, and man, I had to sold my motorcycle. I had to, you know. Oh, I feel so bad for yeah, you. Yeah, and, and I had to. <laughs> I, I've been charging up my charge card right to, to pay for this airplane, but I got it in my hangar now, and I'm going to finish it. You know, and then yeah, uh, we're going to fly it. And just like they they suggested, I'm going to take my flight training on on the aircraft itself on this 801 when it's done. It's uh, marvelous. Uh, aircraft you, you, you can look up and see the videos on uh, on the on the YouTube so it was at the airport and I had to wheel it out of his hangar and down to the one about uh, 250 or 300 feet and into oh, it the, was already at the it was already airport. at the airport there was no transporting it by oh, truck man. yet and 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 we took it down there and uh, we've got it all set up and and Jim says it's about 85 percent done I don't know it seems like I've been at that now for um, quite a few hours and there's still lots to do but but that's the so fun round. Right? Oh, yeah, I, I wanted to point. say too that why uh, why I fly it, and I think that uh, other people do too. I've always had a sense of an adventure, you know, and I think that people that are pilots do that, and uh, and a, a bit of a risk taker, albeit calculated risk. Sure. Okay. Yes. You know, uh, so I'm not much on things that have high percentages of dying or anything like that. So, so. <laughs> Not high percentages. No, anyway. <laughs> slightly lower than you know, fifty fifty. What do you consider? Um, okay. What do you consider? So that there is percentage? that that sense of adventure, and I think uh, that's shared by mo- many pilots, right? You can, mm-hmm. I can, I can take off, and I can go places and sure. do things do with things. it, and and that in itself is uh, has got to be uh, a rewarding experience. Yeah. And the building process, uh, I was frankly overwhelmed when I first looked at it. I went, "What the hell is this?" Like it's a you know, a baffle gabber or whatever. So I, I didn't know. know. There was boxes of parts and stuff, you know, like didn't know what they were. Okay. So as I started the construction process and been going through the plans and going through the boxes, I've looked at these parts over and over, trying to imagine what they're for. And then you look at the plans and you look at the airplane and say, oh, that goes there. And Cam's been in the hangar and he'll often hear me say, oh, <laughs> and, and, and I'll get that, right? And, and then I have, you talked about resource. I've got Bob as a resource to ask questions and I do. And same thing with Cam. What, what do you think about this? What do you think? And so uh, it, it's an interesting process and making those decisions myself. Bob talked about that. Yeah. About, okay, am I going to have a glass cockpit? Yes. Right. Awesome. And absolutely. You and are. Much more reasonably Fantastic. priced than what you might imagine. So 
Maybe. Well, you don't need to get the, what Certified. is it, the, the yeah. Garmin 3000 or whatever. Yeah. The, no, you, the MGLA Avionics makes a beautiful package, and that's what's going in. So, there you go. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, you're going to have to take your favorite podcast host for a, Absolutely. For a spin at some point. I, yeah. uh, I was ta- It's funny when you mentioned they have a fairly good success- <laughs> successor. Uh, I play in a band with Cam's daughter, Kristen, mm-hmm. and... She was, uh, I said, hey, your dad's going to be on the podcast. She's like, oh, what? That's awesome. Uh, she said, you guys and your, she, she's nervous for you. She yeah. said, you guys and your dangerous hobbies. And I'm like, hey, listen, if anything goes wrong, you're still in a glider. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, you, yeah. The wings would have to rip off. She's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that was the end of the conversation <laughs> for her. Um but yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, she, we were talking the other day and in, uh, in person, and I said, you 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 have to realize you can still, uh, you know, land this thing wherever, really, mm-hmm. unless you're flying long distances over water, which wouldn't be advisable. And she said, what? What? Oh, on a highway? You know, a facetious yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's one of that's the options. That's a great spot. Yeah, that's yeah. A good option. yeah, that's a great option as long as you got that's, no wires. That's a better and no option than a field. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even in the 172, uh, when I was doing my check ride, you know, I got through everything. We're flying back to his house, and you know, we then he pulled the emergency procedures check on me, and we were around 7,000 feet, and he pulls my power completely. Of course, he doesn't turn it off; he just pulls the thrust, uh, the throttle, and um, man, it it took forever to get down to a thousand feet. And once you set that plane up for best glide speed, that thing will glide forever. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine. Uh, with the kit planes being so much lighter, how much further they would go. Yeah, and we'll actually get into maybe some technical details with uh, landing weights and uh, all that kind of stuff if you guys have them in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And before Jason, we get check to our... out the uh, check out the text I just sent you. That's that's my kind of zenith if you wanted to show them. Okay, this should be good. actually did send me a picture of one yeah that's it yep i've seen that picture many times that's, that's a an 801 guard. that's a u.s coast, coast guard one of yeah. course mark's dad yep. worked for the coast guard his whole career yeah. so yeah that's the plane very cool and and don't let me forget to ask you about the the notch in the wings um where it meets the fuselage next next episode yeah they kind of come in so I know that everybody's uh, Googling the uh, Zenith 801, so definitely do that. Have a look at this thing. Tricycle gear. They Zenith does, and again, we'll talk about this later, they do make uh, some tailwheel aircraft. Mm-hmm. Where they, at least you can convert it, I guess. there's only I can only find a couple pictures. But okay. uh, uh, anyway, so uh, before we wrap up this one and get to our community questions, um, have any of you been to any flying events with your airplanes? And uh, specifically, any... Short take. Well, actually, before I ask that, is the Rebel uh, considered a short takeoff and landing aircraft? I don't think so. People do it though. You know, they get the big wheels and yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Set of big it's wheels, don't good you? At, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have the big wheels now. Big engine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but have you have you been to any events specific to the short takeoff where they had the competitions and no. things like that with Cubs? Just, and just at Oshkosh. Okay. Watching them. So you've been to Oshkosh yeah. and you've and flew in. You've flown in a few times. Watched them, yeah. That process, watching um, like Mr. Aviation 101, watching Josh go in there and and the other guys. I think uh, 
Uh, Steve Thorne went with some Steve, other guys. Um, Steve, yeah. Steve-O did. That whole procedure. Yeah. yeah, the procedure of going in, and you don't really talk to ATC, but they're talking to you, They're talking right? to they're, you, and they're giving you instructions. It's quite it's mm-hmm. quite the procedure. And you've got a, you've got a book of procedures, yeah, right, yeah, that you yeah, have to and, follow. And every year you have to get the NOTAMs for that year in case they change. And then you just really you follow the instructions on the NOTAM, and then when you're heading in towards Oshkosh or Sun and Fun, you wait until the person on the ground tells you what to do. And he'll say, for example, uh, uh, Murphy Rebel on with on floats, rock your wings. Yep. You're okay. not supposed to speak, talk back to him. You just rock your wings. Then he gives your next instructions, okay? I want you to go down to the next uh, the corner where there's another person there. And then he'll say something like, uh, Murphy Rebel, uh, turn, turn uh, on final now, okay. or turn base and then final, and I want you to land on the yellow dot. And boy, you better land on the yellow dot. <laughs> 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 yeah. I remember, I remember one time flying into into Oshkosh. This is a long time ago, and with the coot, and the coot did everything at like eighty five miles an hour, <laughs> and I coming in there and and. And I was like, he said, can you get going a little faster, like what, on your way in? And I, I'm kind of wondering <laughs> why. And when I landed, I looked around and there was a, a Corsair, you know, a World War II Corsair, sort of hanging down there with everything out right behind me. <laughs> Dirty as he can get, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Trying to get it on the got other dock. Hand, got his arms out the windows. <laughs> yeah, right. the canopy. So it was, it's a, it's a very interesting thing, but it's good for you. It, it really makes keeps you, you think, sharp, right? keeps you focused yeah. and, uh, it's, you learn to follow instructions and don't deviate from them at all. Okay. So. Well, as soon as one of you guys have an open seat going to yeah. Oshkosh or Sun and Fun, yeah. you call this guy. Uh, I'd love to join somebody at some point and I'd love to go myself someday, but that, uh, like you guys, it might have to wait till retirement, mm. but, uh. Mark, we got to find ourselves at Oshkosh at some point. Oh, I know. I know, man. It, Tyler and I have been talking about going, and it, it's something. You know, I've been to Sun and Fun, and that one's awesome. I love it. A lot of resources but, at Sun and Fun, too. Yeah, workshops and things like that. They do, like, steel cutting workshops. I mean, right, anything yeah, that you do, would need to know. They do to, everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a very, it's just a small Oshkosh. It's about a third the size, but mm-hmm. it's a good... It's a good event, and you yeah. see almost everything you do at Oshkosh. There's not not as many forums, of course, but it's just it's, just a little bit smaller. And yeah. of course, you spend money because that, that's where I bought my first. Uh, that's where I bought my first uh, GPS. Um, was there at Oshkosh? Of course, mm-hmm. you know I can't afford the uh, the G1000, <laughs> so I had to go with the handheld, which I would just assume use that or ForeFlight. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, well, four flight yeah. now or Cam, you've got an alternative to four yeah. flight uh, in your cockpit. Yeah, for Android. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a Instagrammer um, named uh, Dion Mitten. I don't know if you guys have yes. heard of Dion. He's a seaplane pilot who flies uh, seaplanes and helicopters. Actually, we'll talk about helicopters in the next episode, Bob. Um, but uh, he's he's going to be. Uh, we're scheduling him to be on the podcast soon. I think in March, and. Um, he said uh, we were talking on Instagram just privately, and he said, uh, "So, will I see you at Sun and Fun?" I'm like, oh, yeah, I wish, I wish I could meet up with you at Sun and Fun, but someday. Uh, all right, see me. 
so guys, we, we reached out to our Infinite Flight forum uh, uh, community, which I uh, had to explain to everyone what that meant uh, ahead of the episode, and they had some questions for us, so we're going to try and whip through some of these, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, lots of great questions came in. Again, uh, the OP is asking, uh, Glenn, after deciding to build a kit plane, what's been the biggest challenge for you so far? It sounds like maybe a box full of parts. You're not sure what they do, but, um, how did you, uh, decide where to build and store your plane? So two part question there. Um, challenge. The biggest challenge is been money, but thank God I have a credit card and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, I, I know it's going to be racked way up there, and, and, and I'm hoping to God I get a call back to the nuclear plant to go back to work so I can pay it off. But um, I got a place to keep that plane. You know, after I had a look at it, I thought, well, now what am I going to do with it? Because of Cam. Cam's airplane is, uh, he's my neighbor where I live, and he's also my neighbor where I keep my airplane. Right. So he called the owner of the uh, of that particular hangar, which is 250 feet away from where I bought it, and and uh, the guy had some space and then moved it in. Cool. So I can't put the wings on it yet, though, because there's a whole bunch of equipment in there. But I'm hoping in the Some spring, milling equipment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the guy's going to make trusses or something. Yeah. So he's storing stuff for the hangar. And but that'll, that'll be out of there at some yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, sweet. And there, have there been any costs that came up? Uh, OP is also wondering that, that sort of uh, – there have to be just costs coming out the wazoo you didn't plan on. Well, there's that. And – and it's like, uh, you know, I mentioned I worked in a nuclear plant, right? Yeah. Like, and as soon as you say nuclear, the price goes, like, you know, every bolt's got to have an end <laughs> on the top. It goes nuclear. It's yeah. way up. It's like airplane costs. Like, you know, so you pay twenty two ninety five for a primer for your snowmobile or, you know, whatever. You pay $154 or $254 <laughs> for an yeah, airplane, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah. want, yeah, that's right. It's a, and the same thing with this. So, you know, I, I, I've, I've had to kind of say, okay, it's going to cost what it's going to cost, uh, but the aircraft's got to fly and that's yep. what's going to happen. Yep. So that's you just have to on. deal with, yeah, yeah. And, yep. uh, and you know, of course, you're, you, you have to also, I think, think about the mistakes that you're making. Okay, uh, ordering the wrong things or whatever. So what? Get the right stuff. Send the other stuff back. It's okay. Take your you time, know. right? Yes, and and I have some uh, some help. You know, I have somebody helping me that really knows what they're doing. So uh, he's been a big resource, and these two too. And awesome. So it's it'll be good. Cool. I didn't. Uh, I just wanted to add one other little sure. thing too. Building your own airplane too, or your own aircraft, right? Is uh, is great because when I know when I get finished, I'm going to know everything about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Yeah. These guys do. They know. You want to know about Murphy Rebels? You ask these two. Mm-hmm. You want to know about a CH-801? Mine, anyways. I'll be able to tell you. Sure. Done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 True. Awesome. Uh, OP is our um, hero on this episode for uh, questions, so thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, Cam, he's asking, <clears throat> other than maintenance, fuel, and storage, what would you say the next largest cost is associated with owning your airplane? I'd say the next largest um, single cost would be insurance. And uh, we were talking about this before, and Bob said, yeah, if you have the hull insurance, which is, it comes from boating, you know, the insurance on the actual plane. You can get the insurance for sitting in your hangar. If the hangar catches on fire, it's insured. Or Or some dude building an airplane drops something on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crane falls out of the sky or something, yeah. And then, of course, the big cost is the insurance for when you're flying the plane. Yep. 
and some pilots don't get that insurance because they know if they don't if they crash their plane their 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 flying days are over yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, but you hear about people who um, say have been flying a, a float plane and they flip over an insurance company arranges and they get another plane you know because they had insurance yeah um another friend of ours uh had his uh float plane a cessna tied to a dock in the south channel wind came up lifted the plane and the dock and flipped it all over and oh that'd be a sad morning and he was just sitting there you know it was at night and oh not flying but he now has a new plane because of insurance so to me, it makes sense to uh, have the insurance and and pay for it. I mean, you have insurance on your car. Sure. You need to have the liability for requirements. Yeah. Um, well, that's if you hurt somebody else or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The um, and statistically, most of the accidents aren't fatal. You know, you 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 can fly again sort of thing. So why lose your plane if you could get another one with insurance? So that's the biggest thing, I guess, for me, insurance. Um, And other things that come up, once the plane is there, and and fortunately with a kit plane, we can add things and, you know, put in different features. But... uh, Well, you're always going to be playing around, right? You're always going to be trying to do a new thing or trying to improve something. Sure. You know, you're always mucking with something. Well, Every time we yeah, go to the hangar, it, you're telling fun. me what you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so David Lockwood's asking, what? Uh, well, we talked briefly about this, but what pilot's license do you need to fly a kit airplane, Bob? Well, you can have a in Canada a rec, a rec pilot's license, which is a little bit less onerous to get than a private pilot's license a fewer hours and a fewer yeah. hours and 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 there are some limitations but not not that many and many people have rec licenses or just a private pilot's license okay. that allows you the private pilot's license allows you to fly in canada in the united states and if you've properly rated it at night and you can fly uh ifr if you have the equipment in the plane do you can be rated for ifr in yeah. a kid plane oh yeah Lots, lots of them are. Awesome. Actually, that's a well. That's a goal of yours, right? To sure. Are you yeah. IFR rated, Bob? No, no, no. I'm not. Any interest? I'd like to do it. Yeah, I've, I've quite done quite a bit of flying in clouds uh, <laughs> by accident. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. On okay. purpose. Like uh, if you can find yourself a cloud layer that's just high enough that it's safe. Sure. And so has a top and a bottom. You, you yeah. can go above it or below it. And you can fly along for quite a while in that cloud layer. It's, I know it's illegal, but it's a way to practice. Sure. Uh, using well, and also, if you're bit. ever flying and you're doing VFR on top and the clouds close up, yep. then you've got to punch through the clouds anyway, that, that layer to be able to uh, get below them. Yep. So uh, he, David's also asking, do the aircraft need to be stored at an airfield and regularly inspected by the FAA or equivalent, which in Canada is the TCCA? Transport Canada, Transport Canada, Civil Aircraft, Civil Aviation. So uh, the answer we've already heard to that is no. They don't. You and do the ins- well in 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 Canada. The owner is allowed to do the entire inspection without any backup. In the states, and I know this because I was there in the states mm-hmm. with a home built airplane. You can do your own uh, work, 
but then you have to have a uh, a uh, mechanic, an aircraft mechanic, now, check that it seems over. Seems like a better just idea. Che- to me. Just check it over, and and you, it's almost a, you know, here, here's fifty bucks. Take a look at my sure. plane. But usually they find something that might be a good idea if you fixed it. So, so having said that, then do you guys every once in a while feel compelled to take it to someone who's licensed to do that and just say, hey, can you? It's been a while. Can you have a look over? Or do you feel confident enough with your own abilities? We regularly go over to the maintenance shop at, at the airport and talk to the guys and get their advice. Uh, and they're like, cool with that? Yeah, and when I had to replace the cylinder on mine because I had an oil leak, um, they walked me through it. We, we sort of did one together, and then I did the other one, and then they checked it out. And Oh, yeah, you, especially if you're new at it or... You know, yeah. like Bob's an engineer. He knows about machines and all that sort of stuff too. But uh, the community is so helpful, important. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, like you're gonna borrow their brake and the and the shear maybe when you're cutting some metal and and if you need a part a bolt that you don't happen to have, you know, rather than order it up and wait, you just go over and get it. Or yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and he's also asking, can they just be? He, you can tell he's from uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. He says, can it be kept in the garage or just and flown from the grass strip in the back garden, which he means backyard to us. If you have one, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, really anything. Anything, anything yeah. goes. I mean, but but that that also applies to a certified. I mean, right. if you have a certified plane, and you have a grass strip, you can do yeah. the same thing. As as we really aren't right obligated. Around here, especially up north, we aren't obligated to to talk to the airport very much. I mean, you tend to feel it's important to advise them where you're at when you're coming, when you're going. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you can come and go without saying a word in a non in a non controlled uh, field like like generally we fly to, and so you're. People always are they're amazed that we they say, How oh, don't you have to tell people what you're doing? No, you don't. But you're, it's a good you're idea smart to, do to so. tell them yeah. where you're going and yeah. you're you're certainly required to give a competent person your itinerary so that if something happens they generally know where to work. Right. Or where to look for and you. And you've got something in your cockpit. We, we mm-hmm. both have Cam, something that you like both that. do and Carolyn knows where you are when you're yep. flying yep. and yep. and knows when to actually call someone if yep. X, Y yep. or Z yep. happens, yep. right? You're needed. You need to have an, an ELT in the plane, and then uh, we, Bob yes, and I, also yes, have a, a spot, yeah. which is a GPS run thing, and you pay a subscription, and and uh, yeah, and you text somebody works. when you land, and yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The so technology really helps. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what it'd be like flying 50 years ago. Right. You know, no, no. you just take your chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one last question, um, and Stephen's asking: Can pretty much anybody build a kit plane and uh, or buy a kit plane and build it. Really, any regulations? Anybody can legally. Uh, you, you really want to assess your own sort of technical abilities. You may not know how to do it, but you should have an interest in things mechanical and yeah. and have an understanding of how tools work and all that before you start. Yeah. The, well, the, that rules me out. I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be buying something that's already built. <laughs> Jason, if you wanted to do a kit plane, I'd recommend you going to the hobby shop, buying you one of the plastic model kits. There you go. And you can start from there. 
That's yep. what I'll do. Go on, yeah. yeah, get your practice in. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Marky. I'm here for you, man. You know that. Yeah. All right. Guys, anything else before we wrap up this episode? Well, get planes are great. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, the, there's no downside. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, for, for me, I'm an electrician, right? And so I, I have some background and be able to do the wiring and what i don't know about the other things i think i do so it doesn't really matter <laughs> well you and mark would get along great yeah that would be okay yeah you'll learn a whole new skill set it's mark good. always says i'm the greatest person i know <laughs> uh, all right guys well thanks so much for making time for me today You're we're welcome. going to uh fire up another episode with you guys soon and uh do part two um but thank you yeah, thanks guys for being Thank here. Thank you. Okay, thanks. And uh, everyone, don't forget to check out Flightcast Cafe for bonus content from this and other episodes. Go to flightcast.audio slash cafe for more. That was part one of Kit Planes in our real-world pilot series with Canadian kit plane owners Cam Merch, Bob Fisher, and Glenn Suggett. Right? <laughs> well done. And they joined me at my home in Perry Sound, Ontario. Thanks as always for listening. If you haven't already, head over to the App Store or Google Play and download Infinite Flight. For more of the podcast, visit our website and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Flightcast Audio. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. Don't forget to check out our new subscription service and get even more great Flightcast content. To subscribe, visit flightcast.audio slash cafe. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening and happy landings. Thank you.